Hi, you're listening to the Classroom and Culture Podcast from Epic Media Partners, where we go deep on all things faith, culture, creativity, tech, and innovation as they relate to education and learning. This week's host is educational thought leader and instructional coach, Michael Zavada. Today, Mike talks with music industry veteran and co-founder of Epic Media Partners and Songlever Inc., Monroe Jones, on creativity in the classroom and project-based learning. Please see the show notes for additional info and details discussed in today's podcast. And now, here's Michael Zavada. Welcome to another epic podcast. Today we're with Monroe Jones. I'm Mike Savada. Monroe, again, is one of the founders of Epic Media Partners out of Birmingham. And our goal really is to help schools and school leaders, educators in their craft. And uh, we'd love to partner with you with Epic and, and do that. Today we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to a lot of educators, I think true educators' uh, hearts, and that's project-based learning. We're going to talk a little bit about the difference between project-based learning and problem-based learning. But uh, we really want to talk about learning that's authentic, that's preparing students for the world uh, that they might encounter. And that's a, that's a hard task. Schools are grappling with that across the country. I was in a school for the last three weeks doing instructional coaching, and their whole pedagogy is based on PBL. So we'll share a little bit about that. And uh, if you're a school leader out there, what we want to do is come alongside you and just get you thinking about these things, uh, give you some resources that could help you navigate these different approaches to learning. We're not here to foist anything on you. We just want to share, educate, and uh, give you some insights into what other schools are doing. And uh, Monroe, as you may recall from our first podcast, had a long career as a music producer, an Emmy-winning music producer and Dove Award-winning producer. And then he began to take those skills and get into schools and use music and songwriting as a lever to bring out creativity in students. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about, the authentic development and bringing out of creativity in students for their long-term education. So, Monroe, why don't we start with a little bit about what you saw in your educational process when you started going into schools? Yeah, okay. So when I went into schools and first started doing the Song Lever Project, um, I observed a few things. One was that creativity might have been a little foreign to teachers and students, not because they're not creative, but because at that point, they had just not seen the systems and mechanisms in place that actually make creative thinking uh, intentional. But one of the great things about it was when we dove in, we found that every Everyone, everyone has the potential to be creative. And if you look back into the Bible, right, it's um, God is our creator. And if we're made in his image, then we have the ability to be creative, right? So it was very rewarding, but there was so much stuff that I didn't know. And so we would write these songs, and I'd, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't know how to label it, but basically that was project-based learning. 
Um, I just didn't know about the different structures in place uh, that make for official so you projects. Kind of backed into PBL, yeah, I did, I did working um, with schools, absolutely. And so, but after that, I'm like, okay, this appears to be what we're doing. It seems to be very impactful with the teacher and these students. So I started doing some research, and now there are so many stats and and different things, and there are all these different components to it. One of the things I love, though, and this is kind of fresh, I've got some notes here from when you and I did a presentation not too long ago, but for instance, when we look at retention rates of other presentation styles versus hands-on methods, research now shows that learners retain only about 5% of material presented through uh, lecture. And if it's presented through demonstration, the mm-hmm. retention rate is about 30%. But as far as hands-on participation, which is PBL, as far as that goes now, retention rates, uh, when those are the methods, retention rates are as high as 75%. We, so we modeled that at a couple conferences this fall, and you actually created, produced songs that the teachers who were there for professional development, both at FACS and AISA here in Alabama, the teachers created a song that ended up being produced by you here at the, at the studio. Yeah, you know, that was that was a fun activity. So that was kind of a last-minute thing. Uh, matter of fact, you're the guy that is on the hook for this. I think this was your idea. But... Um, We thought, yeah, okay, last 10 minutes of the presentation, let's do this so they can actually see what we do in these classrooms. Man, oh, man, I learned learned a lot doing that. Um, One of the things I learned was that, first of all, these teachers, when I mentioned, okay, now we're all going to write a song, man, you could could feel the fear in the the room. The panic. The panic. It was unbelievable. It's important Uh, for them to go through that, having been a principal. Yes. Knowing knowing that they'll get over it, but they don't like the panic, but... They need to experience what the students experience. Absolutely. And so that was something that we noticed. And then another thing was, and I've mentioned this guy before, but Sir Ken Robinson, Mm -hmm. you know, the educational thought leader, he makes a great point about saying that we're all creative openly uh, as children and we're uninhibited and we have no problem being creative. But you could say it's the school system or just life in general, but creativity gets educated out of us by the time we become adults, right? And so you can kind of see, I think the fear, it was hard for these teachers, man, as adults to actually sit down and go, okay, I'm going to create something that wasn't here, you know, three minutes ago. But they did. But, but they, they did. They did. There's and they did usually a great job. about, and it's the same with students too. There's a two to five minute period yeah. <laughs> where they have to process being vulnerable, doing something they've never done before, and yep. then understanding that failure is okay and that they can work through the process, but once they get through it, it's amazing what comes out. Yeah. Um, And then there are all the things that, you know, like if it's a writing activity, there's blank page syndrome and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But I've got that right yeah. now writing my book. I know, right? Um, but boy, oh boy, what a great activity that was. Um, I got a lot out of it. I think they did too. Fantastic. back to that, we alluded to a little bit, there is this reluctancy on faculty, 
school leaders to get into project-based learning. And again, we could talk about problem-based learning, but we're, we're going to take the big umbrella of project-based learning that's student-centered, um, high levels of critical thinking, and there's this idea that content is king, but when you go to something like that, you've got to scale down the content. I was a history teacher and starting in education 20 years ago. And the mantra was, if you didn't get to the Civil War by Christmas in U.S. history (laughs) with your juniors, that all was lost, right? I don't think that way anymore. Nothing like that to kill creativity, by the way. It's like, let's go through three wars in a cloud of dust (laughs) trying to get the first down. That's not really the way students authentically learn. So, but there is this content pressure that so many teachers feel that feels like it gets chucked out the window with PBL. What do you mean we're going to do a project? And, and I think if you really dial down and survey teachers, they would feel like the project was the most authentic learning the students did for the reasons that you cited in the statistics that the teachers felt, um, they may have recognized the authentic learning, but they, they have this meter running in their head. For every minute they're spending on the project, they're not getting the content. Yeah. And that's the trouble we've got to break through to get to authentic learning. Yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of things that are going to have to be figured out. You could also say that the existing system doesn't do us any favors as well, because not only do you have to cover a lot of content, you've got to cover certain aspects of that content so that these kids can test well. You know, when you think about assessments and all that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if the focus is on the wrong thing, and I'm not going to say what the right or wrong thing is necessarily, but when the focus is on the wrong thing, um, I, I think that it really impedes learning. And if you filter out any of the doing and any of the experiential part of learning, what's left? I mean, the things that we remember in life are experiences. And that's why I think PBL is so powerful. And I also think that it is possible to have a testing culture where you are measuring. Let's not say testing. Let's say measurement while doing authentic PBL. So I was the last three weeks I've been doing instructional coaching at a school in Alabama outside of Montgomery. The school was six years old. It was a middle school. And their chief pedagogy is PBL. On top of or alongside of the PBL, they had a a platform called iReady that in math and language arts measured where students were based on standards and where they were at the start of the year. Mm. So this is the new frontier of what we would call adaptive learning. It's education's piece of AI, if you will, artificial intelligence, and the faculty while students were working on the PBL, were also navigating one-on-one with each student about where they were on this trajectory of learning, this path of learning. Each one was individualized. Where this was really creative was, and this takes a lot more brains than I have, but the projects that they were working on were working on skills and content mostly skills that fed into their assessments, mm-hmm. which was, I, I was amazed. Yeah, that brings relevance. 
That makes mm-hmm. it relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in an interesting time. Let um, me tell you specifically about one of the projects. So this was a fifth grade classroom, and they were studying science, and they were studying erosion. The project was each group was four engineers. And so instead of being learners, they became engineers. Four engineers, different types, structural, environmental, etc., studying after watching a video about Hurricane Katrina and the levees breaking, studying this town called Beachtown and how they were going to save it. And they had mm. to put together ideas and a budget based on certain factors, a budget on how to, where to best spend the resources to save Beachtown, which had a river going through it, a lake in the back, like Lake Pontchartrain, and a levee, and then the beach erosion. So they had to figure that, all that out. Wow. That's powerful. And you can apply that method to any subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said a little while ago, creative thinking is problem solving. That's why I think it's so powerful. And you know what? It's fun. Kids are more engaged uh, when it comes to PBL than, than at any other time when they're learning. And I think that's another reason. And, you know, the, the neat thing about where we are now is everybody knows about project-based learning, um, a lot of conversation going on about this. And you've got great organizations that have come up like Edutopia and the Buck Institute and all these, these different organizations who now have kind of put structure around this. There are foundational things. There are components now to official project-based learning. I want to add uh, a group called Oasis. Oh, SIS. My friend Sanjay there has a grouping of about 600 independent schools across the country. Some of the larger, more established, most established schools are not only advocating for PBL, they're sharing through Google Hangouts, webinars, podcasts like ours, how to best implement it. And uh, I think that'll bear much fruit. I highly recommend Sanjay, the president's um, 2019 report on PBL. Actually, it's venturing into a new area um, of criterion-based education, or I have the wrong C, um, competency. Competency. That's what it is. Yep. Right? And um, so going back a little bit, you mentioned subjects. And I think as a, from my perspective as a principal, sometimes the subjects or the disciplines get in the way and create silos that stop authentic learning and project-based learning, yep. right? So let's rely a little bit on your music background. Isn't, hasn't some of the best breakthroughs in music and with artists come when they merged or drifted into a new genre of music? And can you think about some folks like that? Yeah, I feel like I kind of got a jump start on this, uh, coming from where I come from in the music world, simply because as a producer, there are there are things that you need to do to, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if coax is the right word, but you're trying to get a performance out of these artists and you're trying to get them to function at the peak of their creativity, right? Like a teacher. At, just like, students, just right? like a teacher. Now, not that you can do some of these things as a teacher in a classroom setting, but one of the things that I found that is really important in terms of 
fostering creativity and empowering artists to create is you've got to have a few things. Like, first of all, you've got to have trust. If, if there's collaboration there, the people who are collaborating on something, well, they've got to have a rapport with each other, right? And they've got to get to a place where they trust each other to bring certain things to the table, to make certain decisions and all of that, or to go down a road that you wouldn't ordinarily go down. So I think trust is a big part of it. Um, you have to allow the space for discovery, uh, whether it's time or whatever that looks like, um, you've got to make sure that that can happen because discovery is a big part of it. And you know what? Risk is a big part of it. One that's of the, really the, the space for discovery yeah. and that, that time yep. is tough for the teachers, not so tough for the students. That's right. And the, yeah. the risk part is tough for the students because their cash register ringing in their head or their meter ring is the grade, right? A- absolutely. Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. So one of the things that I've seen over the years is the fact that we now have some structure to PBL, um, some things that work that you can rely on, that takes a bit of the fear away from teachers going, I don't know where to start you know, with PBL. And I'm scared of going off the path here. I've got an agenda. There are some things we have to accomplish. Man, I don't have time to think creatively. Well, well great PBL design has actually brought teachers along to where they can follow design and do great things with project-based learning. But the other thing, too, that I found before I actually got into education was I would try to create an environment that Mm. the artist felt safe in. And I mean, it can be anything from the physical environment in terms of the the atmosphere that they're in to a place where you go, okay, let's understand what we're trying to do here. We uh, let's understand the reason you're here is because you're, you're talented and you're creative. Uh, So given that you can't make a fool of yourself, just, you know, it's okay to come up with things and try things. It's okay to go down a path that might not be the path, but for students and artists to be able to do that in their most creative way, they've got to feel safe in their environment uh, because there's vulnerability there. Today's Classroom and Culture podcast is produced and sponsored by Epic Media Partners. Epic has created a learning platform complete with a robust content management system for schools and teachers that's connected to a mobile app to engage students in a way that's relevant to them and makes curriculum content come to life. We offer a wide range of biblical worldview content and curriculum through dynamic and educationally sound lessons that parachute into Generation Z's world and speak their language. Epic's founders are passionate about Gen Z and want to ensure that the legacy and depth of a biblical worldview carries through to the next generation. Teachers and school leaders, please don't miss out on the opportunity to supercharge your Bible courses or your advisory sessions with Epic. Contact the Epic team at epic2.com or contact Tyler Young in our school's support area at tyyoung, that's T-Y-Y-O-U-N-G, at epic2.com, Ty Young at epic2.com. Can you think of a time working in the studio with an artist where there was a pivot or a, a nudging that you did with them to go in a different direction where they 
were a little uneasy about it, but then it worked in the long term? Yeah. One of the things I found was if it's an artist or a band that I've worked with for a long time, that rapport's there. They kind of know me. We know each other. They know that if I go down a road and they're not feeling it, I'm trying to pay attention to what's going on in the room. And so I'm hoping that I'm going to be aware where I'm going like, ah, we've gone into the weeds, right? And we can t- they're going to trust me to go, okay, that, let's turn around and go back and let's try something else. Actually, that is not, and that's not failure. That's what discovery is all about. And you have to try those things. It's like we were talking about risk. You have to try these different things if you're going to find something new. And I think you can do the same thing with students. I mean, you have to develop a rapport with them. But once you've done that, and that requires you being aware of, of your students and what takes them to the next place or not and how they learn. But once you've done that, then that kind of frees everybody up to try things. And I think you've got to create that environment where discovery can happen. Excellent. Yeah, I think that that's got to start from day one, building those expectations. But I love reiterating what you said. You're here at this school. You're here at this classroom. All right. And this is our classroom. And these are the standards that we're going to expect. And you're here in a Christian classroom. You're here. You're one of God's creation. And you're we're here to help you. Find out where God has you, you know, because you've been created for something fantastic. Absolutely. You know, in the in the secular classroom, you know, student talent, student ability, nurturing that is such a key component for the teacher. Just noticing it when we go in and do instructional coaching, we talk about with itness, the the with itness of the teacher. Mm-hmm. How much does the teacher? understand where each of the students are in their hierarchy and how can they have words of encouragement that prompt that student to to peak performance? Well, and I was just going to say, if you're really astute and, and you are with it, you're hopefully able to take your students to a place of, I'll call it self-forgetfulness, where they lose that being self-conscious thing, right? Man, when, is that possible with middle schoolers? You know what? Maybe, <laughs> You've done it. You've maybe, done it well, with song level. Yeah, you know what? Here's what happens. For long periods of time, maybe not. But if you can engage them in an activity that they really love, they can get caught up oh, in I, that activity and they lose themselves in it. And it's I was great. just yeah. joking tongue in cheek <laughs> because that's usually what people say about middle schoolers, right? Oh, it's true. They're so yeah. <laughs> self-absorbed. and But the truly engaged teacher can truly engage students, and PBL can be the lever that helps with that. Absolutely believe that, yeah. Speaking of levers, let's talk a little bit about song lever and your project uh, Mm -hmm. in schools, more specifically about what you've done and what you offer to schools. I kind of fell into this because I come from the music world. But, um, you know, one of the things that we're not necessarily trying to do, if this emerges during the project, it's all great. But we're not really in there to go, hey, um, we're here to teach you how to play an instrument or the technique of actually playing stuff or writing music. If some kids are gifted in doing that or they want to learn that, that's great. But really what we're trying to do is flip that switch 
that shows a kid that they can be creative and they go from uh, wherever they were before to all of a sudden going, oh my gosh, I'm thinking creatively now. This thing that exists here that we've got that I did in this PBL group, whether it's a song or whatever, that thing didn't exist 10 minutes before and here it is. So if I can do this with music, I can apply this type of thinking to anything. So regardless of where these kids end up, they can take that process with them because they learned how to do that. And it's great. I've got several different kinds of curricula here. Uh, we can go into research about art and music and creative things that have existed for thousands of years. We can go into intent about why we create what we create. And then we can look at art and entertainment in general and the things that we actually consume and we put before our ears and our eyes. And there's responsibility on both ends as a consumer and, and a creative. So we go into that and then the project part of it is actually writing a song. And every time we do this, We've done it in grades as low as third grade all the way through 12th grade. Um, we've done it in Title I schools to private schools, uh, Christian schools and public schools. The experience is the same in every grade, in every situation. You can see it in these kids' eyes. I mean, it's like a, a switch gets flipped. And the teachers actually love it, too. I've done this, like, more than once in a lot of different schools now. And the teachers will tell me that they have seen the complexion of their classroom change after doing the Song Lever Project. Their kids are just uh, more attentive and more engaged. Because it's all authentic. And yeah. some of the things that we we talk with schools, you know, every week, every day, and they're dealing with vaping, oh, uh, yeah. poor social media use, sexting, things mm. like that. And I think it's so powerful if a school would embrace PBL and tackle, whether it's an advisory or a regular classroom or a digital citizenship classroom, something like Epic's Power Player of Arts and Entertainment. Mm. And you could unpack or the students authentically unpack through a project, understanding the problem, right, versus having some pastor or some teacher or some um, principal like me get up and lecture before him and say, hey, guys, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. Here's why. That's right. That, that method, I've tried it. It's yeah. ineffective. But what you do with, say, song lever or what an engaged teacher like we're seeing at different schools um, could do is authentically tackle this problem whatever it is, the social ill for students and get into the world. You always talk about what Epic does is parachute into, finish my fr your yeah, phrase. Yeah, the student's world and speak the language that's relevant to them. Mm -hmm. And if you're an adult, um, you, you notice it. But man, they are consumed with this little computer that we hold in our hands now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard for us as adults, but man, kids are, that is their world. We have all these different conversations where we theorize about where we think it's going. Well, I'll tell you, they're already there. We've kind of gotten left behind uh, in that world. You know, they've moved on and they're just in it. They are in that world and we've kind of lost them and we've got to go in there and get them. I mean, here's the thing. You could say that technology really is kind of neutral. You know, mm -hmm. it can be used for good or bad, but technology can be a great thing if it's stewarded in mm -hmm. the right way and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do and we're, we're you know we we have a phrase um, here at epic and and it's called our RFB our reason for being mm -hmm. um, and that phrase is we use tech to teach the word right. it's just one of the anchors that brings us back to why we're doing what we're doing and how we do what we do in reaching kids 
and that'll be the subject, especially for social media of another podcast. But yeah. I want, we started this podcast to help educational leaders. And I want to kind of give them something practical. If they're implementing PBL or they were coaching up teachers in PBL or they just want to do a pilot, a lot of there's a lot of fruit to doing a pilot in an area, having success and then spreading, spreading it across the school. What would be from your research and your practice, what would be the steps to an authentic PBL? Well, one of the good things to know here is if, uh, as a teacher, you're just not sure where to start, there's a lot of great resources out there, a lot of great tools now, and a lot of structure, like I said earlier, to uh, carry on a great PBL activity. But at the root, there's some components now yeah. that make PBL official. They have things like driving questions. You'll start a project with two or three or maybe even one really good driving question that could actually be part of a problem that needs to be solved. And then you give these kids the wherewithal to walk through that and experiment and through discovery uh, come up with solutions, right? And the driving question actually guides students through their research during the process. You've got these things called knows and need to knows, which are basically the data and the questions that they gather around their topic that help lead to their group's conclusion. Uh, You've got a thing called voice and choice, uh, and there are activities around each of these um, topics, but you've got voice and choice, which allows students to take ownership and responsibility for their learning. And then you try to implement 21st century skills, like building in idea presentation, critical thinking, and collaboration. And during this whole thing, you've got feedback and revision. You've got Mm. peer feedback. So they can actually do preliminary presentations of what we will call their product, which is their solution, right, to other students and the teacher. And the neat thing about it is, depending on uh, what you're trying to accomplish here, there are a lot of moving parts here Mm -hmm. uh, to PBL. But it works with less parts. You can get as grainy and you can drill down as deep as you want to drill down in the process, or you can just kind of skim across the top and it can still be a really powerful uh, experience for the kids. And then the one thing that official PBL activities involve is at the very end, you want that group that collaborated on their solution to have a, a, a product that they can actually present publicly, mm-hmm. meaning you know to the school and parents, and you can set that up, and it actually becomes a really fun activity for the kids. And they get involved. I mean, they're super engaged. Like in Song Lever, Absolutely. the product is the song. Absolutely right. And they love it. In some cases, a whole music video yeah. established. And man, are they competitive. Like they, our, yeah. our folks at Briarwood that you've worked with here in Alabama. Pastors and educators, you need to know AXIS, A-X-I-S, AXIS.org, is all things culture, conversation, and connection. They are here to help you navigate today's culture and connect with your team through meaningful conversations that last a lifetime. Axis has partnered with Epic to point teens back to a biblical worldview, and they have powerful, powerful resources like the Culture Translator email that gives insights into the hot topics hitting your teen each week. And by the way, that email is free. 
Also, they've got parent guides and teen summits that take a deeper dive into a particular issue and conversation kits that give in-depth educational and transformational training. Go browse their site for all of these great resources. That's Axis, A-X-I-S, Axis.org. I want to unpack a little bit more the designing, and, and I think as an educator, it's always best to design your lesson, your project-based activity, begin with the end in mind. And so this competency-based education or also the mastery uh, transcript movement that's uh, become popular, there's a whole group that's working with high schools now probably in the future with middle schools, on here are competencies that we see every student should have for college and then career and beyond. All right, so could a PBL, working backward, the teacher look at, by the end of this project, whether it's two weeks, three days, two months, every one of the students should be able to establish that they have these skills, these competencies. Yeah. And the neat thing now is there are all kinds of things in place um, for assessments and, and, and rubrics and all those kinds of things to measure things like um, how well did they understand the problem? How well were they able to articulate their solution? Uh, there, and you can just go through all kinds of things like, you know, how did they work together in a team? And there are ways to measure and assess all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's done in a way that is very constructive and I think encourages them in the PBL process. Uh, the Buck Institute has a lot of different resources now that you can draw from. And it's got this list of what they call essential project design elements. And it's a checklist. And as you've created your PBL, you can go through and see if this meets all the criteria, right? Things like ways to measure key knowledge and understanding uh, and success skills, challenging the problem or question in a way that that shows them if they hit the mark or not, Uh, sustained inquiry, uh, what you were talking about earlier, authenticity, and then the student voice and choice. There's reflection criteria in there, and then there's the critique and revision components. And man, when you add all of that up and it's the experience that they walk through in the PBL process, that's a powerful experience for for a kid. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I want to uh, just kind of finish with putting a plug in for Epic, uh, Epic based out here out of Birmingham, like you said, brings uh, the word to folks through tech, to our students through tech. What's the exact tagline that you all have? Uh, We use tech to teach the word. Awesome. Yeah. But if you were to unpack the lessons in any of the courses on Epic's platform, like My Epic Journey, which is a usually ninth or 10th grade course, Mm -hmm. or an apologetics course, or New Testament course, and then down the line this fall we'll have courses in uh, handling stress and anxiety, Coming courses coming through our partner Access, who does a great job with parent education. But each of the courses has a collaborative approach in in a Bible class or in a regular class. Ron Blue Financial, there's a collaborative. You were talking about a game that was going to be played in Ron Blue. 
Can you elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, we're actually working on, and this would be the PBL component mm-hmm. uh, for the Ron Blue course. And basically, it's a game to show uh, students how to discover proper financial stewardship. But it's real-life situations. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of liken it to the game of life, you know, mm-hmm. where they start out and they're given a certain amount of money and they've got choices that they can make, uh, things they can do with this money. And then you see where they end up. I love these kind of situations because... It's not like, okay, group number four won the game. Hey, if that happens, great. But but it's more the experience of if something went off the path and someone ends up uh, in debt or whatever, that's a very powerful lesson, too. In many cases, it's the most powerful lesson, right? I I think it's going to be a great game. We're having a lot of fun. But we're shooting for all of our courses to have a PBL component. And it's labor intensive, but we love mm-hmm. it. I mean, we're super passionate about it. And um, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff coming down the pike. And when we say uh, we, we parachute into their world, well, w- one of the things that we do is our platform has an LMS uh, and a dashboard for teachers. So that can actually control the curriculum and the classroom and the way all these. And the, the pe- social media and feed. And the social, yeah. And we've got a social media feed for students. And so a lot of the ways that they answer homework questions and all these different things, well, they actually execute on all of that through their phone, which is where they live. We see a lot of positives to this, but one of these is if they actually create something in their PBL groups that they're proud of and they can post that on the social feed of their app, it's not like going, hey, check out my selfie. It's like... I'm, I'm proud of this thing that we created mm-hmm. in my PBL group. It's okay to do those things, but we kind of try to redirect it. And you know what? If we can steal a little bit of time from the other apps that they're hanging out on because mm-hmm. they love being involved in the Epic platform and the Epic app, that's big right there, right? Awesome. Yeah. Well, we've got to wrap up and close. I wanted to just give you an opportunity for the the educators, the school leaders who want to dip their toe in the water, PBL, or maybe they're midstream, just what could you do? What would you say to encourage them down this route? Well, I would say, first of all, the first thing that I see is there's kind of this perceived barrier to entry uh, because there's a fear. It's like, man, I've never done this before, so I'm a little scared to try to go down this road because I don't know anything about it. All you got to do is you can go to epic2.com. We'll be happy to go back and forth with you there. There's a lot of great stuff to learn about what we do. But also, I mean, it's as simple as Googling some of these organizations. I've talked about Edutopia, the Buck Institute, and just the phrase project-based learning. And you will just be amazed at all of the great resources and different things that pop up. And within a half an hour, by perusing some of this stuff, you'll go, okay, I think I've got a grasp on how I can use this in my classroom. Awesome. And I'll uh, always love to pick your brain. The best part of that, hanging out with you, in addition to your great intellect and your personability, is the stories that you can tell from mm-hmm. the music world. Talk about one of your favorite projects or one of the areas where there was just such a creativity spark and you saw it happening there. Yeah. And as the producer, as the teacher, organizing the class you had to just let it run boy oh boy as far as kind of letting it run that has happened a lot that's the thing i talk about where i go okay if you've if you've done your homework and you know the kind of project that you're producing if you actually put the right musicians and players in the studio around that artist or give the band what they need. Well, you've solved a lot of your problem then because you've, you've given them everything they need to kind of go down the road uh, and discover things. But, uh, oh, okay. 
okay, this this is just a story. This has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. It was just an amazing story. Um, and I've said this before. It's very, I feel like Forrest Gump because I just landed in some of these areas. But I was producing a project once and we were able to get Billy Preston to come in and play on this project. Uh, only some of us older people will remember Billy Preston probably. But he was an amazing artist and he wrote all these great songs. One that has become a standard now is, is, um, is called You Are So Beautiful. And I remember this one afternoon, I'm working with him on this one particular track, and it's just he and I out in the studio together, and we're working on these things, and we got into this conversation. Every time I would bring up a song that he wrote, he would just sit there and play it. And I just remember him playing You Are So Beautiful. And I'm like, you know, those are, those are the moments that you're just going, okay, this is, I'm a fly on the wall. I, I, this, it's a, you know, this is my out-of-body experience. I don't know what it is. But you're like, I can't believe I'm here. But I was able to do that with so many different artists, man. And that experience never gets old. And you know what? That informs creativity. It's just something that comes naturally to these people and it's an amazing thing to watch I got to experience a lot of that you know in the studio and I think if we went back something important you said it happens naturally in every student but somewhere along some of our processes take that away absolutely what PBL's right. trying to do is get back to that natural inborn God-given creativity that's right well thank you Monroe loved it thank you If you thought today's episode was enlightening, please pass the word. The Classroom and Culture Show can be heard on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, to become a regular listener and receive additional info, please subscribe on your favorite platform today. That's Classroom and Culture from Epic Media Partners. Thanks.